Welcome to the School of Unlearning. I'm your host, Elisa Haggerty. I've always believed in the power of questions. They create a gap, a space where we pause and begin to challenge the world around us. Without questions, we're stuck in the trance of life, a life given to us versus one created with agency. Your journey to rethink and unlearn the norms no longer serving you begins now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the School of Unlearning podcast. Today on Five Minute Fridays, we're going to talk and sort of plant some seeds around what workplace grief is and how we can uh, work with it ourselves. So I just left the job, as some of you may know, um, that I was at for about five years. And so grief in the workplace and career transitions is really top of mind for me. Um, And I think it's top of mind for a lot of people because we are actually in the midst of what people um, who've been writing articles for the New York Times and the Atlantic are calling the great resignation. Um, Employees all over on different sort of uh, institutions, schools, and companies are leaving, leaving for greener pastures perhaps, maybe going on a spiritual sabbatical because now they can, that COVID has sort of settled in some ways, or maybe they got fired and they have to move on to a new job. And so I just think um, the more and more I sit with career transitions broadly, the more that I recognize the ways that grief can come up, um, not only for myself, but for teams who are still in the thick of it. So I've sort of started to think about workplace grief needing a seat at the table, not just for the people who leave when they leave, but also internally. So we spend about 60, 80, maybe more hours a week at a job, at a career. It literally shapes how we see ourselves. And even in the West, it's actually just how we introduce ourselves. We lead with this at parties. When we introduce ourselves, one of the first things we actually say after our name is maybe our title or what we do. And I do think as a side note, that needs to change because that's a very narrow way of um you know, leading with who you are as a human. But long story short, it's very traditional and common for people to just follow with their profession after their name. And that is just to say that, again, most of our identity is shaped from a very young age, not only around schooling, but around what career and job we will have. And so for us not to talk about workplace grief is a big miss. And, um, you know, it's it's really psychologically sort of um, challenging for most people to transition from job to job without there being a sense of closure, a sense of meaning, and not carrying the drama from the past job into their next career. And so I want to talk a little bit about resilience and and what role that plays in the workplace um, and then give you some sort of insights on how I think we can shift the language and the culture around acknowledging grief in the workplace. So a lot of uh, the buzzwords these days and LinkedIn and all throughout corporate America is about being um, being resilient. And so I do think that that needs some unpacking. So everyone wants to build and train for resilience because we know that change is eminent for all of us and change is always going to happen, especially if you're in a school, an institution or a startup. I mean, every single day is literally kind of a different thing. So resiliency is all the rage these days, but I just want to point out one key thing. Being resilient doesn't mean we're happy, and it doesn't necessarily always mean that we are um, an employee that's adding good culture to the people around us. So resilience can actually be painful sometimes, and people aren't talking about this enough. I know a lot of resilient employees who are not happy, not at peace, and they're not in flow. Resilience can look like grinning and bearing it, project completion. These are actually the people who get shit done. Um, They say yes to a lot of things. They look resilient. 
But when we peel back the layers and actually talk to them, perhaps look at their work, the quality of their work, or simply ask them how their mental health is, uh, we begin to see that the most resilient employees of all are the ones who are struggling the most. And I would actually argue that these people and how they're presenting, and I've been this person too before, um, I wouldn't even call it resilience as much as I would call it martyrdom. And so martyrdom, which really is sort of the hero's cape that, you know, wants to solve everyone's problems and get everything done. They're often the ones who get promoted, get applauded, but they're often the ones who are the most burnt out. And they're often the ones that are, um, you know, uh, sort of experiencing the same drama cycles with, you know, project incompletion or, you know, um, suffering on a more personal level. So I don't want to make resilience in the workplace the goal. Um, I think that's sort of a service level approach towards creating a human and employee experience that's admirable. I think what we need to do is actually normalize workplace grief. So first, I think acknowledging that it's a thing is a good start. And then I think setting up language and tactical ways to decompress projects ending, projects beginning, and even people moving on from a company is a really, really important thing to do. So tactically, as projects begin and end all the time in companies and schools, like literally every day, sometimes every hour, um, we get invested in our work. We put everything we have into it. We read books, we listen to podcasts, we talk to friends about our work. And when these projects fall apart and they unfold, there very often is not time to acknowledge sort of the lost idea, um, the, the hope of what it could have done for the team or the company. And we have to just pick up the pieces and move on really quickly. And I think when we do this, we are automatically bypassing the opportunity to learn from uh, perhaps what happened, but we're also bypassing the opportunity to recognize what didn't come to fruition. And this, uh, this continual sort of like jumping from project to project um, and not learning, not stopping, not actually gaining like nuggets of insight from the work that we do um, it's not only contributing very much to, to burnout, but it's missing the opportunity to grieve. And there's a lot of insight and value in grieving. So tactically speaking, projects that don't turn out well, or maybe they do turn out well, but they end, you've put a lot of energy and work into them, they all deserve a retro or a 360. And a retro and 360 that isn't just lip service, one that actually provides peace of mind where people can speak candidly with psychological safety and say the hard thing. They get a chance to express and move through their experience with the project. And the project has ended and they gave it their all, but they have a chance to actually um, put the pieces together and find some closure about how that project you know, could be improved uh, the next time around. So tactically speaking, workplace grief, normalizing that could just simply be done with retros and 360s. And I've been a part of a lot of retros and 360s. And I just have to say, sometimes they're, um, they're there just to look good on paper, like a box check. And there's a particular way that we want to really create a world where people can share how they really felt a project went versus again, you know, sort of like um, biting our lips and not saying uh, the right, the, the thing that we actually feel. And then broadly, when we think about workplace grief, which this is sort of a, a big topic too, when people leave um, and people always leave to move on to new jobs, we're thankfully now in this world and culture where having multiple jobs and multiple careers is even something that's celebrated. Years ago, you had one job and you never left. But these days, we know that transition is quite a good thing for, um, for community building, for skill building, and for growth for the employee and the company. But when people leave, we, we can really change the, the narrative, the language, and the process around how we can celebrate them. And I do think that it's a celebration, even if someone's fired, 
even if someone um, has to move on or if someone chooses to move on. You know, if you think about the corporate language, and again, corporation means body of people, we have really harsh language and it's not serving anybody from a psychological perspective. We have the word termination. Um, it's so corporate, it's so cold, and I understand its core meaning. It's meant to say that an employee has to leave or is being you know, told to leave a company. I get that. But when we shift language, we shift ecosystems and we, um, we create a world where there's more psychological safety. When we onboard people and talk to them, we, we tell them that they're a part of a chapter of something. You know, that they're not, it's not a marriage. You don't have to stay in a company forever. We have to normalize that this is just a chapter in people's life. And when we do that, we're sort of planting a seed that at some point they will move on. And when they do, we will celebrate them. And so I, when I left my last company, I, I kind of said, you know, I'm, I'm not leaving, I'm not resigning, I'm graduating. And a lot of people kind of smiled and thought that was a, maybe cute or funny, but, but actually it, it made a big difference to me and how I was framing, you know, my next step in my next career. Um, and so it's not a rosy bypassing thing to say that you're graduating. It's just an acknowledgement of one chapter ending and one chapter beginning. If you think about college and high school and even kindergarten graduations, they're ripe with emotion as they should be because there's grief there. And so I know all of this, these retros, these 360s that I'm talking about, taking the time to celebrate people as they begin and end their career um, or their job with a company or a school and institution. I know that this takes time. It takes resources. It takes focus. But what on earth is a company without its people? And lastly, if you are transitioning from job to job or project to project, and you don't have that system around you, I really think it's important to, to work with someone to work through what was successful, what was hard, and what are some things that you can learn and take away from each job. Because grief is sneaky, you know? You could be a few months or a few years down the, down the road from your previous job, and all of a sudden you're finding old fear-based patterns, old habits of wanting to secure success by all means and data-driven work that actually is not um, value-driven. Uh, really taking over your sort of lens. And so if we can't decompress and really understand, you know, the grieving process and leaving a job, all that drama that we tried to get away from, it's going to follow us from career to transition to transition. And so um, this is uh, definitely a 10 minute podcast now at this point. Thanks for listening into my stream of consciousness. But these things are top of mind for me because, um, again, we spend most of our lives uh, working and building skills to be a part of a community that we call a job or a career. And we're lucky and, and really, frankly, privileged to be able to do that in this world. Um, but it's important that we honor workplace grief because uh, it deserves a seat at the table. And when we, when we give it that seat, we're actually able to be more creative, connect more, and um, you know, create the world that we want to invite others into as well. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to the School of Unlearning podcast. You can follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Be sure to check out the show notes, complete with links and insight you won't want to miss. If you enjoyed this episode, take one minute to rate, review, and share this podcast. Because our learning and unlearning never ends, and we don't have to do it alone.